Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, everyone. Dating and relationship coach April Beyer is back as my much-needed and much-more-qualified co-host. For those of you just discovering our podcast, April has been a matchmaker for more than 20 years and is the founder of the unique dating service, Level Connections. In today's special episode, April and I talk with Bridget, who met a man during the pandemic and recently moved across the country to be with him. Now, after spending more consistent time together, Bridget is discovering that they might not be as compatible as she had hoped. You can learn more about April and Level by visiting www.levelconnections.com. As always, thank you for listening to our podcast. If you have a question and would like to talk with us, we would love to hear from you. Just look for the link in our show notes. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Unqualified with your host, Anna Ferris. I'm really glad you're here, April. How is everything? Good. It's exciting and always crazy busy. You know, it was my 13-year anniversary recently. Oh. And I had COVID the week before. So I was so busy with work and being sick that I didn't think of, like, what do I do? Do I get him a present? I don't think he was thinking in those lines anyway. So... You know, as women, we think, oh, we want love, right? We want love and we want the verbal affection, the physical affection, the time, communication, all these things. And so he took me to dinner. I was feeling better. I was out of my 10-day window. Had a great time. We get home and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, like I didn't plan anything. I didn't do anything. So I literally said, go walk the dogs and give me 30 minutes. And I created (laughs) Club Indigo. This is so romantic. What is Club Indigo? I don't know. I made it up in the moment. (laughs) And I found this lingerie that he had purchased. And at dinner, he had said, like, why don't you ever put that on? I was like, I don't know. There's never time. So I go rummaging through my stuff and I find this sexy outfit. I put it on. I'm doing crazy wild hair and great makeup. And I'm sweating because I'm trying to do this all while he's walking the dogs. Yeah, you've got 30 minutes to club into going. 30 minutes. So I texted him and I said, when you get back, you'll receive a text with the code to get into club Indigo." <laughs> it's obviously a strip club, right? It's a strip club. Yeah. So I lit like 50 candles. I'm burning my <laughs> fingers. I went to blow out one and wax goes everywhere. <laughs> so it's kind of like a hot mess. I'm searching for like strip club music like whatever I can find. And he knocks and he does his thing and I send him the code and he comes in. He goes, wow, look at you. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And he starts to come closer and I go, don't touch the girls. You can't touch the staff. (laughs) That's true. Yeah. You're going to get thrown out. Just sit down. So I did this whole thing and he has been smiling since. (laughs) Oh, oh, I love this. That is fantastic. Oh, my God. It's really sweet. It's really sweet, but it was a big lesson. You know, I teach dating and love and relationship and communication in your marriage. And yet I was even stuck with a few things. And I do think that sometimes men find their emotional closeness through that physicality. And I think a lot of women forget that. And I'm not saying go sleep with guys. I think you're totally right. Yeah. I love that you found the lingerie. I imagine you in heels. Yeah. What he did know is, you know, during COVID, I haven't worn heels. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So I was trying to hold myself up and dance and choreograph at the same exact time. And every time I would go to fall, because I was losing my balance in my stilettos, I would just make it look like I was going to sit with intention. (laughs) 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 Trying to make it look as seamless as possible. Oh, yeah. Here's your lap dance. I mean... But it was just a really, really good lesson that sometimes what you think you want, you're not going to get it going after it on the nose. You have to kind of maybe find out what inspires someone else 
to connect with you, not what you connect to as a woman. I've always known that, but it was such a good reminder even for my own life. Do you ever feel like a degree of self-consciousness sort of displaying yourself in front of your man wearing lingerie? No. I love it. It was so empowering that I found like a character in me uh-huh. <laughs> that was so empowered and strong and in control of the room. And ever since then, I have felt more beautiful. I felt sexy again. And it's changed my own day-to-day things. And our relationship is friendlier. It's warmer. It's kinder. And it's been a week. Let's see how much long it holds up before I have to, like, open up Club Indigo again. <laughs> yeah. We got to get you a wig. We have to own some characters here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to come to you for advice and be like, Anna, okay, let's do like oh. my character study. How do I do this? How do I do that? I love it. <laughs> you must have a thousand wigs in your house, no? I do love wigs. Yeah. It's always jarring even to me to wear a wig. And there's just something transformative about having like a jet black bob. Right? Super fun. <laughs> Well, April, happy anniversary and good job. Thank you. That was like the best gift for both of you guys. I love that. Well, it's fast. It didn't cost me any money. And not everything that is valuable is monetary. You know, you can do stuff for your partner that looks like you put a lot of thought into it, but that you literally did it in the moment. You just have to get creative and hustle. (laughs) We got to get you some stripper heels. (laughs) Do you have any? You know what? I just tossed some. I have a bunch from the house, Bunny. Oh, I'm sure. And we got them down on Hollywood Boulevard, and they are oddly comfortable because Mm -hmm. the arch isn't too severe. Right. And they have all the absorption. I mean, they're meant for dancing. Mm -hmm. And you get a workout just even wearing them because your body is forced to balance. Exactly. And you have excellent posture. And they're just a blast. You're suddenly six inches taller. During the house, Bunny, I would tower over all the other actresses. (laughs) It was awesome. I'm going to get you some. I'm telling you, it is so fun. He will love it. Oh, my god! His mind will be blown. You don't need a pull. (laughs) You don't need a pull. You just use the furniture that's in your house. Yep. And you can create a set with nothing but lights and candles and your outfit. It actually is something that is really empowering. You know, it's different doing it. I remember I had a friend that started professionally dancing, and she would tell me that she would actually have to have a few cocktails before she went out because she felt like it was demeaning for her. And then after she did it for like two, three months, she said, oh, now I just drink water. I don't need the alcohol anymore. And I thought, "Uh uh-oh, like now you're desensitized. But when you're doing it as something creative for your partner and it's intimate and it's private, you're not just giving to someone else. You're also giving to yourself at the exact same time which I think is an interesting outcome that I did not know I would have. When you've been married a long time, you kind of forget these things, right? You forget that you've got to be creative. I love that. And I love it that you told us. Thank you. Because it's also really good advice. It's very applicable for all of us. Well, thanks. (laughs) Anna, I've missed you. I've missed you too. It's always lovely to see you. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, Bridget. 
Bridget. Hi, how are you? Oh, I'm so happy to be talking with you. And thank you so much for your letter. And I'm so glad that April is here with me today because it sounds like this is involved. Will you tell us what's going on? It is involved. So I've been in a relationship with a man for a little over two years. It was long distance. So we met during COVID, which was <laughs> challenging enough. I agreed to you know, give it a shot and commuted back and forth between the Midwest and the East Coast for two years. Last year, about one year in, after going through some pretty significant ups and downs, I decided to end things. I went back home and it really was all centered around him really struggling with trust, I think, the most. And I will also say respect because when he gets into those fear moments, it kind of goes into that mean person Mm -hmm. and doesn't apologize because he doesn't think he's doing anything wrong. So anyway, I went home and I said, it just, you know, we're not aligned. And he kept pursuing me for several months. I didn't have any communication with him, but he kept reaching out and he wrote me letters and wrote me letters. And I started to see what I thought was a pretty significant flip. So I agreed to see him again. He came to see me and things were much better. I mean, I really did see a significant change in his confidence level and ability to put himself into more of a vulnerable space. And so we kind of rekindled things and he wanted me then shortly thereafter to consider moving in with him. And I said, not yet. Did you do most of the commuting? I did it all. Yeah. I spent most of my time with him in his place. And then I'd go back home like every six months or a week or two to take care of things, see my kids and my family and stuff. But it was hard. I felt like I was living out of a suitcase because I kind of (laughs) was. And you're the one making a lot of effort. That's hard. Yes. But things really were going very well. And I did see a big change. So in April of this year, we agreed that it might be a good idea for me to talk about relocating. And so I did in July and things continue to be really fine. None of the old stuff was popping up. And literally last week, I was just kind of having a moment because I'm not fully unpacked yet. I got here in July. We left for the entire month of August to get out of the heat and humidity. And during the time that I was commuting for those two years, because I put our relationship first, COVID layered in and everything, I wasn't earning income but I was still paying for my bills. (laughs) Were you funding the trips? I was not paying for my flights, but I continued to pay. I was renting at the time after my divorce. I wasn't sure where I was going to go, but I was paying $2,100 a month for rent and all my other expenses and not even being there much. So it was about $85,000 that I spent over those two years without replenishing it. I was in business for a long time as a jewelry designer and manufacturer. After my divorce, I got out because I just wanted to have less pressure. I didn't want to have to go out and make the kill every day. I wanted to just go work for someone else and just get my paycheck. You know, The hustle gets exhausting. So that's what I did. And then COVID and everything, obviously things shifted, particularly in my industry. So once he saw my work, he was really nudging me to get back in business. And then that kind of led to him saying that he would invest in my business, which I wasn't really comfortable at that point. He said, if I did that, we would be able to include a salary for you. And that would kind of take care of the income thing and all that. And I thought, okay, well, that might make sense. So that's the road that I went down, but I didn't want to take his money yet. I thought, okay, I'll start the business again, but I'm going to do it at least to get going. But then because things were going so well this spring, I said, okay, now I feel comfortable if you would like to invest in the business. And so he did. But then last week, I was just having a moment saying, man, I've spent so much money and I don't have income because I'm not paying myself a salary, which is supposed to be included in the business expenses based on what we talked about. And he said, well, startups don't include a salary most of the time. I didn't have a set, you know, and I'm like, really? Even though he was the one who sort of proposed this idea. Yeah. So I said, all right, then I will have to figure something else out, at least temporarily, because we're literally in the middle of building my website and I have 
product produced, but we haven't launched yet. So I'm not selling it. And then because the conversation was about money, but it was about me saying, hey, I've spent a whole lot of money, (laughs) you know, by putting you first, I just got to kind of figure things out. And I did say to him, if something were to happen in our relationship, I would be the one sitting at the curb. And he said to me, the only way you would ever be sitting at the curb is if you choose to leave because I know where my heart is. But by the end of the conversation, he was questioning whether or not I'm here for financial security. And then it escalated the next day to him actually saying to me, how much money do you want? What's his anger level the next day? I mean, he is not an anger confrontational guy at all, but he was getting kind of that way with me. Like, And I said to him, you really think that's why I'm here? And he said, yes. I know he doesn't really think that, but he said it and he asked me how much money I wanted. And then, you know, when I tried to tell him how extremely hurtful that is to have him say something like that to me, it just then turns into you're being negative, you know, like there's no ownership and accountability. The thing is, when I try to have a conversation to say, we need to discuss this, there has to be some resolution. It turns into you're bringing negative energy into my home. And then layered in there, I said, if you really think this is true about me, why don't you ask your daughter, Kate? I was about to ask about the kids. I'm super close to his kids. Oh, good. They love me. So I said, then why don't you ask Kate? You know, if you really are questioning it, when and he stood up and he said, if you ever speak a word to anyone about us, you are out of here. And I was like, so two days ago, the only way I'd be sitting at the curb is if I went there myself. And now you're actually threatening to kick me out if I talk about this. God, he sure took something and went down a rabbit hole, didn't he? He really spun out about this. I will tell you, between us, we had four deaths last year in the last three months of the year. It was tough. So he's still dealing with some of the family stuff with that. And, you know, he's got an enormous project going on with work that's going very well. But nonetheless, it's stressful. So the escalation of all this the doubting of your intentions must have really come as a surprise. Can you tell us what you know about his previous relationships? He was in two long-term relationships over the last 12 years. And in both cases, the women left him and he was devastated. So he really, when I met him, kind of felt like, when are you going to leave? So now he's acting like things are fine. It puts you in a situation where you have to be very generous in this relationship, which some people are really good at and they don't mind. And maybe you're one of those people. I mean, you could be because you've been with him for this long. And part of me is tempted to chalk up some of his behavior to his generation. It's not necessarily fair. I just don't know if there's change that's possible on that front. And I'm really sorry. This must have caused like this big pit in both of your guts. Like, oh, it's hard. It's hard. It is hard. Yeah. I don't know how it feels to go through what he went through because I never had that happen to me, but I am very understanding and extremely patient. I know. We thought it was interesting that you included in your letter that his heart has been broken by these two other women. I thought that was really compassionate and generous of you to mention that, but it also made me think, oh, this is an ongoing narrative for him. Like, this is a big part of your lives. Take it away, April. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I have questions too, but I love what you said on about narrative because we as women are often trained in our lives to stretch our compassion level for what someone has been through previously. And we take it on, right? We're the nurturers. We're the mothers of all. And so you lose a little bit of yourself in the process because I believe you can be understanding Mm -hmm. and compassionate about someone's previous life and what has ailed them or hurt them, but that doesn't mean you get into a relationship with them. We have to learn the difference between I understand you, I get it intellectually, it makes sense why you're fearful, why you go into fight or flight, but that doesn't mean that I need to be in relationship with you to understand it. What do you think of him right now? What is he giving you that you are in love with? This is what makes it so complex because I see so much kindness and generosity that comes from him. He actually 
we're starting a foundation because he said, I don't want to die rich. I would just feel horrible if I die with my money. I want to give it all away. And so we're in the process of putting a foundation together, largely centered around education efforts. He's extremely philanthropic. What I've noticed and come to realize is when he's with his team and he has an enormous team, he has the mind of a scientist. He goes to the table saying, I have an idea, but I'm not sure if it's the best idea. Maybe it could be better. And he wants the feedback. He wants all these creative young brains just because at the end of the day, he's the boss and he's making that final decision. So he can welcome it, welcome it, welcome it without ever feeling threatened because he gets to make the final choice. When it's us, I find the preacher, the dictator, the prosecutor, who's more opinionated, he's already planning on what he's going to say instead of listening to what I'm saying. But I've never seen it happen to anybody else. I know he can be really hard with his kids, and that's why they have a really good relationship with me. You know, he would never, ever say something like that to anyone on his team. Gosh, aren't we awful? We're the right. worst. We hurt the people we love. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I'm like, but I'm your punching bag. Yep. I hear this a lot. I hear this so much. You're right, Anna. We hurt the ones we love, right? When we know that someone is there, it's almost like the more you love him, the more you pour into him, the more aggressive and mean-spirited he's going to be. And when we asked you what you love and like and admire about him, you didn't say any of his traits that you personally get to receive. You immediately went into, and I want you to hear it, you immediately went into how amazing he is to his staff, the underlings, the people that sit at the conference table and look up at him with big eyes, mm -hmm. his philanthropy, what a wonderful father he is. These are qualities to admire about someone. But in order to be in a love relationship with someone, those qualities and those traits have to benefit you personally. Because otherwise, it's like looking at a Mona Lisa. You're like, that's a beautiful thing. But what does it do for you? What am I getting out of this is what you have to ask yourself. And a lot of people who are in philanthropy, especially if they put their names on things, it's a lot of ego-driven stuff. If you really want to give back, you just give back. And, you know, we see those people that are really good leaders and good with their team, but it's because those people are not a threat. I think he sees you as more of a, you're an adult, you're a peer, you're shoulder to shoulder. He knows how smart you are. He knows that you've been a businesswoman. He thinks you're tougher and stronger than what you convey because you haven't been the squeaky wheel. You've been taking on all of his issues, his drama, his pain, his suffering. So you look like a very competent, capable woman. Mm -hmm. And when you go to him for your needs, they're not being met because you're sturdy. And so he fights against you. There's friction there because of this. So you feel disrespected, but he actually has more respect for you than you know. And he's taking you down a peg or two because he needs to. You are so right because he will say, if I ever say anything like, oh, my neck is killing me. Oh, come on. Like, suck it up. Like, you know, what I said to him is you are very kind and generous, but I would love to see more empathy. And you're right. And it frustrates him because he can't stand it when I'm too smart because I know how to play that game. And I find the gaps and cracks and I'm like, come back to him like, well, not in a combative way, but I just pose things that he can't argue against because there is no argument. And when that happens, he runs the other way because he can't win. You've mentioned a bunch of different ways that he struggles for control and, you know, I think a lot of people have a really hard time not bringing their profession home. And he's older, so he's absorbed this yep, yep. and probably won't be able to shed it. Yep. He will probably always think of himself as a powerful CEO that people are trying to take advantage of. But I think that the question is, really, if you want to be in this... If you do, my preliminary thought is saying something like, I know that you get really anxious about people taking advantage of you financially, and I want you to know that I love you for so many reasons, and you do take care of me, and I'm really grateful, and I want to figure out how I can take care of you. That's just one idea. Mm-hmm. 
I think mixing our finances with love and relationship is really, really, really scary because there's all these power plays. And I hear this a lot from women saying, do I move? And if I do move, then I'm not in a powerful position of my things, my neighborhood, my job. And if there is no, this is how we're going to be financially, and this is how I'm going to take care of you, and you need to get a job when you get here, or what those things mean. You guys didn't set the table accurately ahead of time. The woman he was with before me, he didn't have concerns about money. He spent a ton of money on her and she spent his money. I just found like a stack of invoices from a store buried between a stack of sheets for $39,000. When I said to him, why did you spend all this money? He said, because it didn't matter. It wasn't important. But now it is important because he went for the bait and she left him. So then I'm paying the price. And when we were having that conversation that started all this, he said to me, I probably shouldn't tell you this, but if I get hit by a truck, you'll be fine, which means he does have something set up for me, but he didn't want me to know. Weird. Like, wouldn't you want to say, oh my God, I love you so much. I want you to know if anything happens. No, it's a game. I don't like it. It's disingenuous and it's a game. It's another form of control. By the way, when I was dating and I'd go out with guys and I'd say, oh, tell me about your last relationship or your previous wife or whatever. If he didn't say positive things and I didn't relate to who she was, Mm -hmm. I ran. So when you're looking for love, you have to look for the person who already has a prior work experience to being with someone like you. Yeah. Because everybody can whinge and whine and complain. She took all my money. I spent $40,000 here, $80,000 there, $100K there. Clearly, she didn't make him. He did it freely. Yes, and then he, he wants to play the victim that he got yep. screwed over. And then he illogically says, I did that because it didn't matter. No, he got juice out of buying her boob jobs and crazy clothes right. and hair and makeup and shoes and trips. And then he makes Bridget feel like shit because he's been hurt. No, that's what he says is his issue. That's not the issue. The issue is Bridget is such a complete departure from the kind of women he's been with that she's not paying because they hurt him. She's paying because she's different than who they are. So the reason why he's so good with his team and these young people, it's like I had this vision of all of these young millennials looking up at him like with big eyes. The same thing was with these women, right? They came in as the damsel in distress. They came in as the, I can't figure out my life, and I need boobs, and I need clothes. And so out of that, he got to feel powerful. He got a boost from doing those things. With you doing, hey, hey, I don't need those things. I don't need clothes. I don't need a trip. Fine that we go, but I don't need those things. I'm more practical. He doesn't get to shine. He doesn't get to be the big man around you in the way he wants to be. Yes. So he doesn't feel his value with you. Because you're such a departure from those women, neither one of you are going to get your needs met in this. So I remember I met a guy right before my husband, and on our date, he was saying, gosh, it's so refreshing to meet a woman who knows herself and has a career and is successful. And I said, are you not used to that? And he goes, no. And he goes on to tell me about the women he's been with. And all of them needed him financially, spiritually, emotionally, physically. And I said, oh, you know, this may not work because the only thing I'm ever going to ask you to fix is my internet connection. Like, (laughs) I don't have mommy issues, daddy issues. I'm pretty even keeled emotionally. And I knew within a date or two that that relationship was never going to fly because he needed to be the savior. Now, You might think that in your relationship with this man that he could easily save you. He could get you more funding. He could get you a salary for that investment. He could tell you about the will. But he's choosing not to do those things because for whatever reason, to sustain you financially in a practical, pragmatic way and to give you marital safety is not a big win for him. I believe he's more or less met his match. And the more you come after him with intellectual concepts, the less you're going to win. Anna, before we talked to Bridget, I was telling you about Club Indigo, right? 
I wanted the, I love you, good morning, sweetheart. I wanted tenderness, but I did something different to get the tenderness. Asking for respect, asking for tenderness, asking for more love, affection, and communication doesn't actually work. If you want to be adored, what inspires that person to adore you? If you want to be respected, what inspires that person to respect you? Because us saying, you better respect me. Or respect me because I'm not like these other women who took all your money. I'm not that person. I'm here. You might as well be singing into the wind. It's not going to work. You've got to change your tactics or you've got to get out. I think April is completely right. Initially, I thought about suggesting like a weekend of love because you guys have been through so much. It's almost like between the deaths and the COVID and the newly moving in after the trauma that had happened, so you're both still carrying those scars. I thought maybe this whole thing needs to be tabled for a minute while you figure out if you want to be in this relationship. Yeah. However, as we continued to talk, I don't know if he is capable of loving you well. Yeah, and I had that same thought. And my tendency is then to slip back into that sweet kind, you know, like even tonight, we're supposed to go to dinner with people. When he came to me and said, so-and-so wants to go to dinner a few days ago, he said, and I'd like to say yes. I said, well, you can say yes but I don't know if I'll join you because I'm thinking, what the hell, man? Like you just told me in so many words, you don't trust me and you could kick me to the curb. And then you want me to go to dinner and act like everything's fine. Bridget, do you get what he's doing? Yeah. I don't know if I do. This is so easy to figure out. I hate to say I'm right, but (laughs) you're totally right. You're always right. I love you. (laughs) Not always. But when a man feels inferior or out of control with a woman, however you're feeling right now. So we should talk about like, what are the five things you're feeling? Just give me an emotion for every feeling you have right now. Don't think. Just go, when he does all this stuff, what are your feelings? Give me five. Sad, scared, um, anxious, confused, and... um, Lonely? Lonely, yeah, for sure. Lonely. Yeah, really lonely. Not only because of that, but I'm like, I just left my family, my friends. You know, I don't really know anybody here yet. I'm kind of starting to meet a few people, but it's not like I can even just hop in my car and go hang with a girlfriend because I don't have any here yet. Yeah. Does that make you feel insecure, Bridget? Yeah, it does. And I typically don't. No, you've been a badass businesswoman who's also gorgeous and raised kids and you're mature. Instead of saying, what do I do? I'm feeling sad. I'm feeling anxious. I'm feeling confused. I'm feeling insecure. I'm feeling lonely. I'm dependent on him for all these answers that he's not giving me. Instead of asking us what to do about those feelings, understand that he is driving those emotions within you. Consciously or unconsciously, he is creating this dynamic to keep you a little off balance because when you are off balance, he gets to maintain control. You are 100% right. The weaker I look to him, the better. When I dig my heels in and he can't fight against it because there is no crack or any way that he can win, then it infuriates him and he runs the other way. I am not going to pretend. I'm not a good pretender. You know, the last thing I want to do tonight is go to dinner and sit and pretend like I want to be there, smiling around these other people, thinking everything's fine because it isn't. And I don't play those games. So I have to know that if I say to him now, I'm really not up for going, it will not go over well. I don't care. I mean, honestly, yeah, I don't really give a shit. Well, that's why when you moved back to the Midwest, he came after you because suddenly it was like, well, wait a minute, you know? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. 
It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. It must make him crazy that his kids love you. No, he tells me that he loves it, how fond they are of me. If he really loves the closeness, then out of his mouth would never come. I know. If you say anything to them or discuss us, you are out the door. If someone said that to me, I wouldn't unpack anything. I wouldn't unpack my emotions. I wouldn't unpack my tears. And I wouldn't certainly unpack the suitcases you haven't unpacked and the boxes you haven't unpacked. I would put whatever I have unpacked back in the boxes, back in my suitcase, and out the door I would go. Because the threat is my answer. Not whether or not I end up on my ear on the curb sitting by myself with a couple of boxes and a suitcase. The threat would make me feel so unloved, so unsafe, so scared, so disrespected. So all you need to do, and I don't know if you're asking us in this call if you're going to stay or go, but I just hear you acquiescing and I hear you giving away so much of your power and so much of yourself because I also think that there's scarcity issues. There's scarcity over, oh, I'm older. What are the opportunities? There's scarcity over finance and business. So you're kind of dependent upon him a little bit right now. And he gave a little seed money to the company. Yeah, That's the slippery slope that we're on right now. Yeah, and I'm in a city that's not my home. It's not your home. If I still had my place, I could have went back home again. So yeah, I sit here and think, shit, believe me, I am thinking and I am figuring out, you know. Well, listen, when I threw out the idea of like you guys going away, that did not make you light up. You were like, uh, can't handle this. You know what I mean? That says a lot. To me, I think April's right. The idea of attempting to work this out or to have long discussions feels exhausting. And I don't know if it will be heard. Yes. I think in my heart, I know it won't change. You know, there'll be ebb and flow and da da da. Oh my God. Could you imagine him during retirement? Uh, he's going to go berserk. Well, and that's the thing. Like he thinks he can dangle like, oh, let's go for three months to Europe next year. My first thought wasn't, oh yeah, man, let's go. My first thought was, who the hell is going to run my business? (laughs) Right. And not like, oh my God, spending three months in Europe together would be so amazing with this person that makes me feel so good. It makes me so happy. And I just can't wait. Yeah. That doesn't feel like your story. And the same thing for my birthday, birthday morning, I want you to go spend the whole day in the spa. And I said, hey, actually we're in my hometown. I'd like to show you my hometown. I'd rather spend my day with you outside in my hometown than in the spa, which was the truth. You know, so it was the things that he can dangle because his value is his money. He doesn't see his core value as a man. And I don't go for that shit because that's not the stuff that matters to me. But then why are you in a relationship with him? Because in order for this relationship to work well, like it or not, he needs to be in a relationship with a woman who is not intellectually sound, who needs him desperately for validation, who makes him feel super, super king-like, super safe, might need his money. The thing that you push away, the thing that you don't need is what he values giving. Mm -hmm. We all have to ask each other when we first meet, whether we're hiring somebody for our team or partnering with somebody in business or in life love, I think we have to say to them, what are your values? Like, what are the values that drive you? Because like the other day, I might have needed something romantic Mm -hmm. from my husband, like flowers would have meant the world to me. But instead, he worked on something on my website and my business, and he put about three or four hours into it. And I realized instead of me trying to get the flowers, I realized that the value that he likes to give and how he feels like he's loving me is through the practical day-to-day stuff, right? That's how he gives love. So I either need to 
accept and embrace that or not. But these are all things I took care of early on because I asked. I asked in the courtship phase, right? Where do you feel inspired? His values are financial security, safety, consistency. Mine are creativity and laughter and family. Sometimes those don't go together. So my point is that if you're in a relationship with somebody, it's not that they don't value you. He probably values you more than you actually know. That's the sad truth, though, isn't it? And that's the sad truth. His crave for control makes him not love you well at all. But I think, April, I'm sure you're right. If you decide to end this relationship, he'll probably be shocked. Oh, yeah. And devastated to the capacity that he can be. Yeah, he told me I'm ruining the relationship. And I agree with you, April. We did have those discussions back at the beginning because core values is the foundation for everything for me. And I'm not sure if he was entirely honest. And that's what I said to him most recently. I said just that. It's nobody's fault. There's no right or wrong. There's no finger pointing. It's just your normals and my normals are too far apart. Your values and my values are just misaligned. It's no one's fault. We're just not thinking. And I did a boudoir thing for him as a gift. And it cost me a lot of money. And he saw the pictures and he was like, oh my God, these are beautiful. Until I told him that the woman that shot it, I wore a red trench coat in one of the pictures and no woman had ever walked in there. And I wore like a one piece thing underneath it with thigh high stockings and heels and sunglasses. And she told me she never had anybody walk in with a trench coat. So she wanted to use it not in marketing, but in her PDF that goes to women after they've signed a contract to give them wardrobing ideas. Okay. So private contained. And when the minute I told him that, he said, Oh my God, you want men to see you like this. You're going to send it out to everyone. How did you pay for it? Did you do it on trade so that she could use the pictures? He's so insecure. He may be 72, but he's a five-year-old little insecure boy. That was a bad one. Yeah. Oh, that is awful. I mean, Anna, not to talk about your personal relationship, but you know, you're in the public eye and you have to go out to events and things looking beautiful and people know who you are. Isn't it important, whether you're a celebrity or not, that you have a partner who, when you are looking devastatingly sexy and gorgeous and people are looking at you, that they actually are filled up by it, that they're like, yeah, I get to be with her. Like, that's my girl. 100%. And the quality in somebody, like, even if that unsettled him a little bit, like, oh my God, other men, other women are going to be looking at Bridget and the thing. He should have shut the fuck up and just been like, I love you and thank you. And this is rad. This is gorgeous. You look stunning. I don't like it that he's making an excuse. Getting angry for that, to me, feels completely irrational and just excuse to be mad at you. Right. And plus, the PDF that would go out to women as a guideline of like, hey, here's an outfit you could wear when you come to the shoot. He can't get outside of his own head because if he did and stepped outside of himself for a second, he would have realized, ah, you're actually helping other women connect with their husbands. And why make you feel bad in any way? And talk about shutting down someone sexually. I can't imagine that you would then even wear that stuff around him anymore. Right. How painful. That's a scar. Well, then later he came back, you know, like a week later, and he was opening the pictures because I gave it to him digitally. Then all of a sudden he loved them. But you remember that cruelty. Right. He forgets, right, that he'll go into fight or flight. And then the next day he acts like everything is fine. Mm -hmm. It's because in his fight or flight people aren't logical. Right. And that's why three days later, a day later, a week later, suddenly it's like, why are you being negative? Everything's fine. Exactly. But yet you're sitting there like with this big open wound and there was no salve for it. But they've moved on because in the moment, all they saw was red. Yeah. And so they're fighting for their lives. It's like somebody's pushing you underwater. You're trying to get to the surface of the water. My question to you is, It's one thing to understand fight or flight from an intellectual perspective. If I were to ask you to give me your dream list of the person you're looking for, would somebody who goes into fight or flight who is mean-spirited or mean with their words when they're in fight or flight, is that a deal breaker? Or is that something that you can manage? In your dream of dreams, is that something that you would put on your list? 
I guess it would depend on how often it would happen. I think we all have moments where we might have fear hit us and go into that moment. But if you can't realize it's happening and acknowledge it and do your best to not let it happen again, if it's a repetitive thing, then absolutely not. What I really just need to know more than anything, and I think I already have my answer and I just need it confirmed, is whether or not change is possible. When you want to know if anything is going to change, you have to look at history and how long you've been together. And you have to look at the beginning of the relationship to say, were these issues present in the beginning? We heard you say that there were losses this last year, and I'm so, so, so sorry for your loss and some issues and his loss as well. But one thing I've realized is that trauma doesn't change character. And you can kick the can down the road in your life if you think that those two are attached in that way. Because there'll always be an event, a loss of a family member, a financial crisis, a health crisis. And what happens is people wake up 5, 10, 15, 20 years later going, oh my gosh, for the last 10 years, all I've been doing is making excuses for the bad behavior. Mm -hmm. I was thinking this is kind of neither here nor there, really. But I was thinking how I don't believe him that he says he doesn't want to die rich. It made me think, like, is this part of a control thing with his kids as well? Money is what he has. That is his power. And I don't know if we've given you any, like, direct advice because only you can sort of decide if you want to stay in this or not. But I really don't love the way he makes you feel. I mean, those adjectives are heartbreaking that you described. Yeah. This is a lot for you. I'm really sorry. It's a lot. Thank you. You believed in this relationship enough. You were an optimistic when it felt like there was change. I don't think that there is. I don't think most people really change. I just don't want you to feel all the sadness, the loneliness, the confusion. Yeah. That's how I make my decisions. I write down, what do I want to feel? What am I currently feeling? And then I compare the two lists. Okay. And that gives me my answer of if I stay or go in any situation. And I advise you to do the same. Okay. How do I want to be treated? Write those down. How do I want to feel when I'm in a relationship? What am I currently feeling? And instead of figuring out how to fix those things that you're feeling that are not fun, you just have to prioritize those. We tend to go, yeah, 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 I'm feeling all these things. I can figure out how to fix those feelings instead of those feelings are your warning sign. They're going, they're like barking at you. And you're like, yeah, 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 I can figure that out later. I want to know how to fix this relationship. I wanted to tell you something that I don't know if you're going to love, but from the first time we talked today, from the first few minutes, the only person that I think needs to change is you. I agree. Yeah, it's not him. He's died in the wool. You are way more open-minded. You're an entrepreneur. You're innovative. You're smart. All I hear is you acquiescing and making excuses for him. You're coddling and babying him and forcing yourself to not be happy because you're afraid of what he will say or do or react. And that's codependent. And that's bad. You're going to lose every time, and you're going to lose all of your strength and all of your power. You have more ability because of who you are to change and to shift your mindset. He doesn't. He is who he is through and through. It's who he's always been. But you're so good at caring for others that you're putting yourself last, and you just need to be number one. You know, like when you put on a blouse or a sweater and it doesn't fit, like a lot of the stuff that you're telling us about him, it feels like it doesn't fit you, like who you are. I don't love the feelings you said you have, and I don't love the feeling of not feeling empowered. And let's say I had met him before you did, and he came to me as a client, I would have said, what are you looking to give a woman? Where do you feel your value with a woman? What are you looking for right now? He might not have said, I'm looking to find love, partnership. I want my equal. I want to probably get married in the next year or two. Like all the things that you were looking for, he might not have been shopping for those things at that time. He's fallen for you. You're better for him than anybody he's been with. But 
sometimes we think we win because we are better for that person than previous relationships. But that's actually not helpful to look back and say, wow, he chose those people, but now he chose me and I'm so much better for him. That doesn't work. It has to be on the same playing field, especially with somebody of his age. He's not 25. I am like the last three, four people within reason that this person has chosen to love. A lot of people meet and they go, oh, I feel so sorry for Jessica or Michael or Bob or Steve or Lisa because their last three people didn't commit and didn't want them. And my response is always, well, wait a minute. They're the ones that chose those people who would flip, leave, lie. (laughs) And if I'm not a flipper, a leaver, or a liar, then I'm not going to trust that person to be in a relationship with me. I can intellectually understand that they're hurt from those choices, but I'm quicker to look at the person who made the choice. And I know that sounds really judgmental, but in my field, I'm paid to be discerning and I'm paid to be a little tiny judgy. Yeah. Because because I have to see these things, right? I have to kind of see the thread that unraveled the sweater. And I'm like, wait a minute. Don't come to me with your sob story about how these people hurt you. They're them. They're just the extras in your movie. What I want to talk about is who were you when you chose that woman or that man? Where were you? Why weren't you minding the store? Why didn't you have your needs list more front and center? Why weren't you reacting to the confusion, to the pain, to the loneliness, to the fear, to the scarcity, and moving your feet? What's going on with you? Because that we can fix. I can't fix somebody. Like, he's not calling us. Maybe you could have him call me and Anna later. But (laughs) we can't fix him, right? He's not exploring this. He thinks everything's fine. Yes. As long as you don't bring it up. That's right. Because it's exhausting and unchangeable, right? Like, there's no point. He's not a growth person. He's on the other side of life, right? So he's climbed the mountain, created a big business for himself. He's raised his kids. And now he's thinking about his legacy. He is thinking in terms of, okay, now I'm going to put the car in neutral and I'm going to coast down the backside of the mountain. And that means I've already reached king status and I want to coast down the mountain. I don't want anybody to teach me, train me, make me different, make me uncomfortable. I want things the way that I want them. I want full control because he's losing control, right? He's losing time, literally time, where men start to look at their lives and go, oh my God, what's left? Where we've been adjusted to it our entire lives. Exactly. (laughs) But a guy of that age, I think I would reframe his sentence. He's thinking, I don't want to die rich. What he's really saying is, I don't want to die without having some kind of meaning, some kind of legacy, because the legacy makes me feel better about myself. We can't fix what is. Yeah. I'm not a person that's going to diagnose, but I pick up on all these narcissistic traits and qualities about him that you're talking about. And then the narcissists are always the first ones to be hurt and saddened when there is conflict, when they don't get their way. And then we go to baby them. It's like, oh, I'm so sorry. Let me hold you. Let me take care of you. He isn't capable and doesn't want to grow. He doesn't want to change. He doesn't want to collaborate. All the things that you wanted. Yeah core traits that are inherent in all of us, regardless of if we were born with them or we grew into them because of childhood or trauma or whatever, they're stuck. They're what is. We just spend a lot of times in our lives trying to fix the traits in others as opposed to going, oh my gosh, this is why there's a big delta. This is why there isn't an alignment between us and harmony in the relationship. And it's hard because the answer is usually get your feet moving. I agree completely. Like I said, the timing for this is perfect because I've already been working on my plan. Bridget, we can feel it. Like, I think we would be offering more productive solutions to keep the relationship. I think both April and I are really picking up that you have landed at a place where you are really thinking about actively leaving the relationship. Yeah. Either road is not easy for you. And when my mom used to tell me, you need to be selfish in love, I didn't understand what that meant. But as I've gotten older, I understand that it means protecting your own interests, making sure that you can love well and have that love be received really well. 
I know there's going to be a lot of little things like, do I pay him back? How do I get all my shit out of this house? There's going to be like, well, where am I going to go? And I'm really sorry that this isn't cleaner, I guess, if you do decide to leave. Yeah, I will be fine. I know I will because I always am. I want someone to like take you in their arms and just be like, (laughs) oh my God, I am so lucky. Where have you been all my life? I love you. I want you to feel that if that's what you want. Yeah. It's time to move your feet. And not because you're mad. Mm -mm. When we leave because we're mad, it creates a lot of chaos for both parties. When we leave because we're neutral, because we realize there's too much of a disparity between who we are, who we want to be in a relationship, how we want to be received and loved in a relationship, what we provide the other, what they provide us. When you can move forward and move your feet because you actually have an understanding of what is important and what is a deal breaker, that's when you shift life easily. That's when the move or packing or restarting your life again is much more seamless. But it's the knee-jerk reaction of, you're hurting me. This isn't working. I'm out of here. That's the thing that actually doesn't last. Yeah. You're so right. It's when the person is really tired and unemotional that people should be, like, shitting their pants. Yes. My mom used to say, <laughs> you'll never need to fear anything like you need to fear indifference. Because when you're indifferent— You cannot be controlled anymore. Yes. They can't win you back. They can't cry. They can't apologize. They can't do anything because you are so neutralized. Yeah, I agree. Bridget, we've talked so much about so many different things today, but do you have a lingering question as we wind down from everything we've talked about today? Is there anything that you need, a piece of advice or anything Well, I think even how I closed out my updated letter was really the question, is change possible? And I have that answer because that would have been the only reason for me to still be hopeful. I think you know your own answers. You're so smart and you're so resilient. And all to me today has been about what you really actually want in your life, which is collaboration. And I hope that today has felt like a collaborative environment of all of us kind of just putting all this on the table and figuring out what stays and what goes and what's to be prioritized and what goes to goodwill. Yeah. You know the answers. It's just the push out the door and that finality. I think that's what you're talking about more than anything, which is what do you do when there's a glimmer of hope? And what do you do when there's loss of hope? Yeah. And hope is a beautiful and powerful thing. But the only way hope can continue is if two people or a team of people all are supporting the vision. In this space of a relationship, yeah, people can change if they want to. (laughs) Hope isn't one-sided. Hope is a tennis match. Both people have to be wanting to get better at the game and going, you know, hey, mea culpa. I had a fight-or-flight moment the other day, and here's how I'm going to correct the wheel, and here's how I'm going to say I'm sorry. We're all imperfect beings trying to just do the best in our lives. But it's how we correct the wheel that matters most. You're right. Bridget, I can't thank you enough. I have your back in like a different way with the anger and the emotion. Yes, yes. (laughs) And April has the wisdom. (laughs) Yes, timing-wise, this has been just incredibly good for me, and I'm very grateful. Thank you so much for having me. We're thinking about you. Thank you. And lean on those people. Lean on your sons. I bet they've never had that gift before either. Yeah, and they're wonderful. And so, yeah. Are they married? My oldest just got engaged. Oh, this is great news. Oh, good, good, good. Yeah. Well, maybe this is an opportunity to really get closer to the people that love you. Yeah. I'm so excited about the wedding. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be a good one. All right. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you so much for being so open. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Thank you. Be well. You were amazing, as always. Thank you. There was a lot to go through. There was just so much to unpack because it's two years. It's very, very complicated with emotions and finance and relocation. Money, I know. It was a lot and very difficult to do this any kind of justice in this shorter format. But I hope that we helped. It's easy to say, you know, break up with this person. He's making you feel like shit. I just know that that isn't heard very well. You know this better than anybody. It's not heard because it's the wrong motivation. 
We don't leave and break up because the person made us feel like shit. We leave because we have a knowledge of what it is that we want the most in our life and who we are and how we want to be seen and received and loved. And then that is the better way to get somebody to walk out on a relationship and to move forward. But if we say, this person makes you feel like shit, you should get out of there. It sounds good in theory and sounds good in the moment, but it isn't enough to drive somebody to permanent action because they're just reacting and it's because someone, quote unquote, made them feel a certain way. You're feeling something, but nobody's making you feel that way, right? Because we're giving away our power. And so it doesn't last or stick the breakup because it's easy for that person to come back and then make you feel better again because you've already given them the power over you to make you feel like shit. So they can also have the power to make you feel loved again. And that's why we get these yo-yo relationships. I'm not going to lie. It requires a lot of strength to do this. And we're all human. We've all done it. We've all settled for less at some point in our lives. It's normal. For the sense of security. Yeah. Thank you so much, 